welcome you. I say if you're visiting, my name is Pastor Jeff, and I'm serving as the uh, interim pastor at this time, and Cindy and I are glad to be here. I don't know if there are any children in the building, but if there are, uh, Cindy's prepared to do children's church. If not, she'll get to sit and listen to me more and more. <laughs> And pray for her. She's been listening to me preach for about 37 years and sometimes for a long time, for, for twice on Sunday, and she, she still talks to me, so that's a great thing. Uh, it, we're going to ask those who are going to be coming to take this morning's offering, if you'd come forward at this time. And uh, as they come, uh, would you join me in prayer? Father God, we pray this morning as we continue in worship in this way that you've ordained that we could contribute to the kingdom work, to express our gratitude for all that we have, and Father, that others who have yet to come to know the name of Jesus might one day soon call him Lord and Savior. Thank you for the people who sacrifice so much so that this can happen. We pray your blessing upon them, and we pray your, pray your blessing upon this offering that you would grant us wisdom and discernment as we disperse that, that every penny would count for your kingdom. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, this morning, we're... Uh, in the middle now of what was, is called Advent season. Uh, it's a season that the four weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, Advent means coming or it means arrival. So it, it's talking about the time preparing for the coming uh, of Jesus. And uh, this morning before we even start, I wanna show uh, a video that uh, may seem not too connected to Christmas but hopefully we'll be able to, by the end, uh, do that for you. So Solomon, can we play that? There's no sound, so don't worry about it. So, have you ever had a plan like that? We thought, this will be really simple. We'll be able to just kind of do this simple thing and we'll fix the problem. And your fix to the problem becomes worse than the original problem. We are people who love control. We love to be able to control things. And we live under that most often that illusion that we can control things. This morning, I want us to begin in a passage that's found in Matthew chapter 26, and it's verses 36 through 44. Now, as I, listen, as I read this passage, I want you to know something about this passage. That for hundreds and hundreds of years, people have used this passage as part of the Advent story. 
the story of the coming of Jesus. There is a, um, a book called The Lectionary. And The Lectionary is, is a collection of, of scriptural passages that are traditionally read at certain times of, ye of the year. This tradition starts, goes all the way back actually to the Old Testament, not when there, was a, there were written scriptures, but when the, the stories, the same stories, were told at the same time every year. So at Passover, you would have the retelling of the Passover story. So it was to help people remember that time in Israel's history. And the, the lectionary has been used since probably around 500 AD. So over 1,500 years, this collection of scriptures at certain times so that so at the Feast of Tabernacles, the story of the Feast of Tabernacles would be read. At, at Pentecost, the story of, of Pentecost is read. And so at Advent, the, the celebration of the coming of Jesus, we would read typical Advent scriptures. And most of those that we are really familiar with, the story of the birth of Jesus from, from Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and, and Luke chapter 2. The story of the shepherds and the wise men of Herod and of Mary and Joseph and the angels. But this passage has also been read as part of that story for almost 1,500 years as well. So I want you to remember that as we read this passage from Matthew 26, verses 36 through 44. No one knows the day or hour or even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, one the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was, thief was coming, he would have kept watch. It would not have let his house been broken into. So we also must be ready because the Son of Man, because the Son of Man is coming. So I said, we love to feel that we are in control. Psychologists have called this, actually, the illusion of control, the illusion that we are in charge of things. We, we want to feel that way. It's been proven that people believe that if they're able to hand, put their hand uh, into a, a lottery bowl, that they are more likely to win and pick their number than if somebody else does it, because we like control. So traditionally, as I said, this passage, although we don't often hear it read at Christmas, has, has a long history of being part of, of Advent. And the passage 
really focuses on, on, the, on the action of God. It's a picture of the world being dismantled, taken apart, and a new world being born. All, all of this at the hand of God, God moving. And Jesus very simply says this, that our job in the midst of all that God is doing in the world is simply this in verse 42. Keep awake. Keep awake. Because you do not know. And Jesus uses this kind of really shocking comparison when he says, he says, the Son of Man is, is going to come like a, a thief in the night. That, that when God dismantles this world and begins to reconstruct a new world, he says, you need to pay attention. You need to be awake as a homeowner would in fear of a thief coming in and breaking in and stealing. Now, thinking of God as a thief is, I think, initially really hard. One of our most basic needs, almost from birth, is security. To, the feeling that we need to be secure. We'd like to feel that what we have is ours and we can live without the fear of some thief coming in and, and stealing it. As a matter of fact, we would sometimes pray to God that he would keep us safe, keep us, fear, keep us free from being robbed. And yet when it comes to our relationship with, with God, the world is not as fixed and secure and certain as we would like to think that it is. These scriptures tell us that, that the move of God is so large that it even affects the stars in the sky, the realms of the universe, that the old is being transformed and the new is being born. And the question left for us is, are we ready for the transformations that God is seeking to bring? And I think that that's a really important, appropriate question as we think about Christmas and the Advent season. Our challenge is to see some passage like this from Matthew 26 and to see it as good news and to see it as an indispensable part of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. People living in the land of Zion, people living in the land that God has promised may not receive this word as something that they welcome because we do seek our security. We do love our control. So how can we take this message of the skies falling apart, of everything being turned around, how can we see that as, as the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we really ready for the world that God is ushering in with the coming of Jesus? So a little over a week ago, 
on December 7th, we, we commemorated the attack of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. The nation with the most secure borders, who, with, a, with a, the best, the most secure economy, in a moment realized that things weren't in control as they thought they were. And we, again, we are people who greatly value, value con control. Think about that for a second, that we, how much of our modern society is all focused about how we control things. That with science and with technology and with creation and, and imagination, that we work really hard to be able to control the world that we live in. So we have, we have cruise control on our cars. We have pain control when we're not feeling well and, and we want to control the pain that, that, we, that we have. We have climate control so that we can take a thermostat and we can turn it up or we can turn it down to make ourselves more comfortable. We have, we have traffic control. We have birth control. We, we have population control. All these things. And being so successful at being able to control those things, it's not a hard leap to think that if we just pour enough money, a more, enough technology, enough thinking into things, we should be able to control everything. So when something happened like it did on December 7th, 1941, the world, especially in the United States, was, was rocked to its core. And one of the first things that happened after that was that every ship that could sail was sent to sea. Every plane that could fly was put in the air. And it was not because they felt that they, by doing that they could catch the people who had done this thing. But as a military leader said at that time, it was done for this reason because it is important for the leaders of the country to prove to the American people that we are in control. Unfortunately, that was not the last time that we have been victims of terrorist attacks, such as on September 11th, 2001. We again found that, that we, are, we are not in control. We have a safe, what we thought was a safe nation with, with safe borders and safe defenses. And when that happened, many people felt like they had been robbed of their security. They'd been robbed of their control. They had been ripped off by thieves. And the truth is, we are in control most of the time. We wake up in the morning, we know what our day's going to be, and our day goes just as it planned. And there's, there are no surprises, there's, there's nothing. It just goes and we are in control of every moment of our, our day. We have, we have security systems on our homes. We have burglar-proof locks. And if that's not enough, we buy insurance in case the worst happens so we can control our loss. And we live in that security and that 
illusion of control until at two o'clock in the morning, we get a phone call. And it's the police. And they say over the phone, there's been an accident. Or we're watching TV, like on a normal evening, and all of a sudden, there is this announcement that comes up on the screen and says, we interrupt a regularly scheduled programs for this important announcement. And it's usually a crisis. But ultimately, it's a crisis of control. Something we thought we could control has not been controlled. The prophet Isaiah writes this in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Men will flee to caves and rocks and to holes in the ground from dread of the Lord, the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. In that day, men will throw away to the rodents and bats their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made and worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and to overhanging crags from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. Stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? Bible scholars tell us that this passage that, that I just read from Isaiah was written at a time when Israel had been carried off into captivity and into slavery, and they were not in the promised land anymore, and they were certainly not in control. Bible scholars would also tell us that, that these passages, over half of the Old Testament passages that we have, especially from the prophets, were written at a time when the people of God were not where they wanted to be. They were not in control of their own destiny. They were in exile. They were in captivity. There was a time when Israel had it made. They had great kings. They had, they had David. They, then they had Solomon, a, a, a man of incredible knowledge, of wealth, of a huge army, great security. And in a short period of time, the Babylonians came down from the north, and the Assyrians came, and they laid waste to Israel's cities, and they killed people, and they carted everyone off to be slaves for years and years in exile. And so much of the Old Testament is, is written in that kind of context. We have an entire book that we don't usually spend a lot of time reading. It's the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations describes cities that are, that are deserted, ruined streets, people who have been bashed and carried off. And there's a great deal of that if we really read those parts of the Bible. And we have a hard time with that. We'd rather skip over to the other promises of God than these kinds of things. But it is a harsh reality of human history that most much of our time we are often not in control and we are being jerked around by things, by forces that we would not really want in our lives. And yet, yet they come. The very simple truth is this that I've been trying to prove for about 15 minutes is this. We 
are not in control. I'm only a heartbeat away from my, my next crisis. And the world that I think is so secure, the day that I have planned out in front of me, may not go as I expect it to go. And yet advertisers would tell us that, yeah, we can control our world. There was an ad by, by American Express a few years ago when they were trying to entice people to, to get credit cards. And the slogan that they had for their ad was this, take charge of your life, get control of your finances. To which I would say, really? <laughs> I can do that? I can keep my car from having a $2,000 repair bill by just having your card. <laughs> the prophet Isaiah speaks out to this unstable world and he dares the, his original readers and he dares us even today to, to think upon this world that God is shaping and giving birth to. And here is a large God who creates and makes and moves, and when he does, things become new. And how different is that than the God we would feel comfortable with, the God that we've created, who exists to make us comfortable and to give us control. In a world where we think that we are in control, we are deluded and we, don't, we end up with not very much of the God of the Bible. We get up with the God that we've created who will give us what we think we want. And that's the case until Advent, until the coming of Jesus. When the skies turn dark and the earth heaves, Luke writes this in Luke chapter 21, our reading from the message this morning. He says very bluntly this, he says, it will seem like all hell has broken loose. Sun, moon, stars, earth, sea in uproar and everyone all over the world in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom and the powers that be quaking. Those are frightening words for those of us who want to be in control of our lives. We are kind of small when you compare it to the stars in the sky, the planets in the farthest universe, the moon and the earth shaking underneath our feet because God is shaking the earth underneath our feet. And what is ultimately being stolen from us, what ultimately we are being ripped off from is the illusion and the delusion that we are in control of all things. That's what's being stolen from us. And it's being stolen from us by God, a thief in the night who robs us of the lies that we have believed that we can control all things. Jesus tells us to be awake, that he will come like a thief in the knife. 
And the things that we think are they're so secure and so stable are not, and there is only one true security, and the one true security is God. This news, it's dark, it's difficult, but it's a foreshadowing of the great move of God. The world being shaken, the world being, being dismantled, but not just that, a new world, a new world being shaped and formed by the hand of God. That's, that's what Jesus says in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. He says, the kingdom of God is near, it is coming. And maybe our whole life is this wrestling, very simply this, of coming to the truth that we are not in control and God is. Someone once said that we spend the first 40 years of our life wrestling with ourselves, with our own desires, our flesh, our pride, our anger, and we spend the next 40 years of our lives wrestling with God. That in fact, he is trying to wrest control from our hands so that we can trust in him. I came across this definition of, of faith, and I think, it, I think it's good. That faith is a willingness to let God be creator, a passion to let the creator finish what was begun in creation. The world is not in my hands. The world is not in your hands. Praise God, it's not, but it's in his. And the world that Jesus is ushering in comes with this promise. Take heart, take heart, take Take courage, because a new world is being ushered in, and it's being ushered in by Jesus Christ. And that is not a dark message. That is not a threatening message. That is a message of hope and of light and of a future that is beyond our wildest imagination and the goodness and the power, the creativity and the imagination of God. And even, even now, when we find ourselves on December 15th being called to move faster and faster and faster until we reach Christmas, this message of upheaval of God creation comes as incredibly great news. As a matter of fact, that passage in Matthew is the canvas upon which the whole advent, the whole coming of Christ is painted that God's new world is being ushered in. And beyond what we think would be a good idea, this world, this wild, new, God-created world is being brought in by a baby. Let's pray together. Lord God, as, as we think this morning about these words, our hearts are drawn to your power and your goodness. And we are convicted through your Holy Spirit of just how much 
we like control and we idolize security. That if we have money in the bank and the kids are doing well and the marriage is going well and we're healthy, then we're in control and things are good. But you tell us that you're bringing a new world, a better world, a world where there'll be no more sickness ever. There'll be no more death ever. There'll be no more sin and strife ever. And for that to happen, this world has to shake and quake and the stars in the sky are moved by your breath. We pray, Father, that we would be awake, that we would be alert, that we would be looking for this new world that's coming, and not just pie in the sky later, but that we would be called to be participants, to be co-laborers in this new world that you're ushering in through Jesus Christ. This baby in a manger is our King and our Lord and our Savior. And our hope rests not in the security and control of this world, but in your sovereignty and in the security of the promises you've made long ago that are just as true today. We live in faith, we live in hope, and we live in a profound love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. This morning, as we draw to a close, um, I'll be here in front. If you would like prayer, we'd be glad to pray with you. If not, we pray that you'll have a, a wonderful day in the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to read these verses from, again, from the, from the prophet Isaiah as a closing prayer. It's from Isaiah chapter 61. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soul makes the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Go in the peace of God. God bless you.